0: I'm back for part seven, the final deep dive into the daily lesson framework. If you have not listened to parts one through six or listened to the overview or have no idea what I'm talking about, I'd highly recommend scrolling back through and listening to the first six parts or my daily lesson framework uh, overview podcast episode that I've already done. So part seven, the final and culminating part of the daily lesson framework is the student application and assessment portion of the lesson. This is where the students get to apply their learning or you can do a formative assessment as a teacher and the students get a chance to put what they learned that day into action. So this is really one of the best parts where you can implement um, speaking in a low stress, low effective filter manner where students can um, can use what they've learned and can speak about it and um, or write or draw or answer questions pretty much any way that you want to extend their learning, this is a great time to do it. This is also another good spot for you block teachers where you can do multiple strategies in a row and have students um, complete them to kind of stretch out the time. So a lot of student application and assessment strategies that I like to use are quick quizzes, Um, I like to do the question and answer game. I like to do the listen and draw or listen and sketch. I like to do dictations. I like to do um, L1 or the target language retells. so there's a lot of different activities that you can do, and I have a lot of podcast episodes about those individual activities, but there's a couple of things I want to talk about in re- in relation to student application and assessment, is I find a lot of teachers are always like, well, if I'm grading this thing, you know, if it's only a five-question quiz, they get one wrong, suddenly they're at, you know, an 80%. If they get two wrong, they're at a 60%. You know, how do you grade this? What if they miss the questions, and this, that, and the other? And I think that part of this portion of class. Number one is to build student confidence to make them feel good about what they've learned and how they're able to communicate or understand in the target language. And number two, to kind of check in on how you're doing as a teacher. Now that doesn't mean that you didn't do a good job. It might just mean that for some reason that day it didn't reach your students all the way. And so I would like to push you to use this as an opportunity to see if what you were trying to communicate to your students in the lesson actually made it into their brains and was comprehended. Because a lot of times, I think, we'll be like, well, we did everything, and what's wrong with them? And it's not always the case. Now, some days, the kids are just off, and maybe it was just a bad day, and that happens too. But take the time to really reflect on that as you look through kind of what the students have done with student application and assessment. So on Quick Quizzes... I really look at almost all of these strategies, except for the ones where the students are using output in the target language. I use look at all of the strategies as an opportunity to sneak in more input. So even when I'm asking them questions on a quick quiz and I'm saying, you know, if we're doing a one word image and I'm saying, um, you know, is the is the box big or small? Like, I just want them to get that extra input, too. Yes, I want them to know which one we decided on as a class but I'm kind of making some of the answers obvious and I am still using gestures and scaffolds for what they need to understand it. Even if I were asking an upper level class and maybe you were asking them open-ended questions, I would still be using some sort of a visual aid or something and like pointing to, to help them rein in and focus in on the part that I'm drawing their attention to um, and giving them that extra input. Same with doing like a listen and draw, right? I'm giving them extra input of certain sentences or certain events that we discussed during our guided oral input or that we wrote about. Um, If I'm having them do the question and answer game, I'm giving them input in the question and then they can recycle that back and add on to it. So same with if I'm doing a... L1 retell, I might tell them, retell them three sentences about what we talked about and then they're translating that into the first language into English. That's basically like a mini listening assessment. Um, And when I go to grade these things, again, a lot of times what I do is I will, and if you've watched any of my recent videos, you've seen this, when I'm doing like a listen and sketch or a quick quiz or even an L1 or L2 retell, I'll have the students go through and mark their pages. So like if it's a quick quiz, I'll mark if they get one wrong or if we did a listen and sketch and I wanted them to draw three things but they only drew two of the three, I'll have them like give themselves two out of three on it. But when I go and put that into the grade book, I don't give them a two out of three. That's like a 67%. That's almost an F at my school. Our cutoff is 65. That's the lowest passing grade. But what I'll do is I'll translate those into um, into like out of 10 points. So if they got two out of three, I'll take one point off a 10. And so they get a 90. Um, if they got, you know, on a quick quiz, a four out of five, I'll give them a 90. If they got a three out of five, I'll give them an 80. Um, really a lot of times any type of grade to me that translates as like a 70% or less, I'm going to really reflect on what happened. That they got there. And sometimes even when I go around and collect papers from students, I'll ask them, like, hey, what confused you on this question? And I don't, it's not, and I make it clear to them that it's so that I, it helps me know what types of things we may, we may need to spend a little bit more time on in class. You know, and one day I we were doing a quick quiz and I asked them, we were just talking about the dates, and I said oh es martes, and they were telling me yes or no, like true or false questions. And I, when I walked around, all three kids that got that question wrong, they didn't remember what oi meant, so, which means today. So that means that I need to make sure I use that more in our calendar talk or in our discussion so they get more repetitions of it. But I don't want to also penalize them and give them like a two out of three in the grade book for something that's kind of my fault-ish because I haven't given them enough repetitions for their brain to soak that in yet. Does that make sense? So I think your your mindset and your perspective on some of these student application and assessment strategies needs to be, number one, so that the students can feel good about what they've learned, um, and number two, so that you can sneak in extra input, and number three, so that you can get feedback as a teacher to know how you're doing, what things you might need. So one day in my class, we did a, um, in my sixth grade class, we had a really, really rough day The students were way off and on their quick quizzes, like they bombed, they were confused, they didn't know what was happening. Did I put those into the grade book as like a little daily work score? No, I threw them away and I used that as information for me to say, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to slow down. I need to simplify things. Like maybe I ramped this up too quickly for them. So if you notice that there's a lot of kids that are not getting what you're thinking they got. Don't put that grade in, but use that as feedback and reflection on how can I support them and how can we repeat this further to build their confidence. So in the next day I came back with sixth grade. I took a step back. We simplified things and they did phenomenal. And then they started to feel good and they started to feel better and we were kind of on a roll again. So um, I do want to say with speaking and stuff too, um, please check out my episode about the question and answer game. I hear all the time from different teachers that like, they one of their goals for their students is they want their students to be able to think and speak clearly without worrying about like making quote unquote errors um, when they're talking. And the question and answer game I have found has been a really powerful tool to get students to to speak to just say as much as possible because they get um, there's a couple different versions that you can play it which I talked about in the episode because they get more points for doing it or go check out my game. Um, that I recorded an episode about called, um, oh shoot, what did I change the name to? Something about nothing left behind or no, no detail left behind, um, I used to call, it used to be called Circle the Wagons, but I looked up the, uh, meaning around that phrase and I didn't think that was, that was an appropriate, appropriate, um, name for a language class activity, so I changed it, um, where, like, the students are, um, you know, trying to say as much as possible about that thing or about that image. Or there's another one called Back At Ya Ping-Pong Recall that I learned from Martina Becks that I have another episode about where, like, the the class is split into two teams and they're going back and forth trying to earn points for um, saying more about the pictures. So there's a lot of ways that you could scaffold the speaking in class, especially if you have novice-level learners. You can do the question-and-answer game on day one or on day two. Of class. In fact, I did the question, I went and did a professional development with a district and I did a demo lesson in Spanish. And this was for teachers of Spanish, French, um, and German. And I did the question and answer game at the end of a 30 minute lesson of the daily framework. And even the German and French teachers that didn't know a lot of Spanish were able to say quite a bit in Spanish based off of what we discussed during the day. And I also, I'm going to throw this little tip out there. ...during pretty much all of these student application and assessment strategies... ...because, again, this is not a summative assessment. This is a quick formative assessment or an application of their learning... ...to make the students feel good and to give you feedback as a teacher, okay? So I leave the the class shared writing text up on the projector while I'm doing this. So if I'm giving them a quick quiz... They might very well be able to just look in the shared writing text and read it and find the answers. But guess what? I'm doing that on purpose. It's giving them extra input if they're having to reread the text and find the (laughs) answers. And then if they're getting it right, it's because they're understanding what they're reading. So it's like a win, 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 right? The students feel confident and you got the snuck in extra input and they maybe felt like they were getting away with something sneaky. Although I do tell them that if I leave, is it cheating to use the resources if I leave them up around the room? And I have them pretty well trained to be like, no, it's not cheating. Um, you know, so again, giving students an opportunity to apply their learning or to give a formative assessment, um. To really check in to see if what you meant to communicate was comprehended and also gives them an opportunity to show their learning and to feel good about themselves and where you can really throw in that speaking part. So as we culminate the daily lesson framework, during reading workshop and shared reading, the students were reading the text, right? So they got to read in the target language. During guided oral input and scaffolded oral review, they got to listen in the target language. During shared writing, they got to write in the target language. And during student application and assessment, depending on what strategy you choose, they could read, they could listen, they could write, or they could speak during the target language. You could hit all four modes of communication every single day if that's something that you really wanted to do with your classes. So I hope you have found this deep dive and breakdown helpful and it gives you a better idea of what the daily lesson framework feels like. Most days, I only end up with maybe five minutes or so, maybe 10 minutes max to get through um, student application and assessment. And if you, again, if you have block, you can choose more than one activity to kind of fill that time. But even doing an out loud quick quiz where it's just oral questions to the class where the students are responding yes or no, two questions, even one question, if that's all you have time for, it's a nice way to kind of culminate that activity and that lesson and to fulfill that promise that you made when you did the objective during norming the class, where you said, by the end of class today, you will be able to draw to show that you understand a description of a place that we talk about. And if they've now drawn that picture, they're like, yeah, I met that objective. Now, are all the kids going to remember that objective? No. But some of them might, and it might make them feel really good to be like, hey, this is the promise she made, and we followed through on that, and we did the thing. We did the dying thing. So again, please let me know if you have other questions about the daily lesson framework, but I hope you found this deep dive into each part helpful.